Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast. In this corner, we have at a solid 160 pounds, standing at 5 foot 11 inches, Kyle Merch. Over here in this corner, at 6 foot even, 150 pounds, Mike Ludwig. And in corner three, standing at a tall 5 foot 10 inches, 170 pounds, Wyatt Teeter. Apparently we're not in an octagon, we're in a triangle. We're in a triangle. We have three corners of a square, right? Yeah, that yeah. is true. Right. Just one corner would be empty. Yeah, you're, you're good, right. Good math. We are, good math, we're boxing this week on uh, this Horns Down Week themed episode of the 8311 cast. Um, because we're going to be talking about Cyclone football later on in the podcast and how the Cyclones and Baylor got into a nice uh, MMA-style punching match during the game. So stay tuned to hear our, our take and opinions on that. Before we even get started, let's talk about how amazing Cyclone Athletics was this weekend. Um, on, Friday, we, on Friday, we have cross-country, both men and women's, uh, placing first in the NCAA Midwest Regional Championship. Uh, we have, on Friday as well, the women's basketball win over Niagara, the men's basketball win over Missouri, also on Friday. And then Friday night, the marching band win over everybody uh, during band extravaganza. Go band! Go band! The Iowa State University Cyclone Football Varsity Marching, marching Band! band. Uh, then on Saturday, obviously the Cyclones stomped the Bears uh, in the win over Saturday, which is probably the weirdest Cyclones game I've ever witnessed. Um, A win over Saturday? Win over Saturday. Did a I say that? Win on Saturday. A win on Saturday win over on the Saturday. Bears. Oh goodness! We also had a volleyball win on Saturday after the the Bears game. The, the Cyclones game versus the Bears. The Baylor Bears. Country roads took them oh, home boy. again. I'm already falling apart. We're not even hardly a minute in. And then uh, t- on this, Sunday, this is why we don't let you talk very often. That's fair. That's why I don't usually talk very often. Um, then on Sunday, uh, I think it was around noon o'clock when wrestling actually played the NIUE Tigers. Uh, they stomped them 37 to three, and then again on Sunday we had uh, women's basketball beat NIU. All around perfect weekend for Cyclone athletics. It was great. Beautiful. We didn't lose a single athletics uh, <laughs> sanctioned event. Go Cyclones! It was a perfect storm. So speaking of a storm, the Cyclones football team brought the storm warning to Jack Trice Stadium and routed the Bears. And so we we had a pretty solid performance overall. Uh, the defense, though, gave up a lot of chunk yeah, yardage they gave in this up game. Over 500 yards to Baylor. Despite only giving up 14 points, they were pretty opportunistic. Baylor missed a couple of field goals, turned the, turned the ball over in the red zone once. Through, uh, I don't know if they turned. I don't think they turned it over at all. But didn't they throw an, an uh, that interception? That got reversed oh, by reversed, reversed by penalty. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Right. That's what I was trying to remember if that was the one that was there reversed were a couple, or not. There were a couple of opportunities for the defense also to make some other uh, interceptions, but they fell out of the hands of our defensive backs and safeties. But, yeah, the, the defense gave up a lot of chunk yardage. Um, obviously, late in the game, we were trying to protect our lead a little bit, so we were uh, playing off our receivers a little less aggressive. But it was the most yards we had allowed um, to any team uh, in, in a while uh, this season. And before getting ejected, their quarterback was able to run for 
a lot of yardage um, scrambling outside of the pocket and was able to get a lot of big chunk yardage plays off of um, good coverage by the defense, uh, by our corners and our safeties. It's just we didn't have any linebackers home in order to tackle the quarterback running free out of the backfield. So, Yeah, he managed to uh, run for 72 yards, and he was really effective in the uh, lead option. There were a couple times where he made really good leads to either hand the ball off to the running back or to uh, keep it himself and run. He was really effective in that in that lead option and was thinking about leading Baylor down a comeback until he got tossed midway through the fourth quarter for a second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of the game in what was all around just a really bizarre football game. The bizarreness started really in the uh, in the third quarter when uh, on one play David Montgomery was pushed 10 yards out of bounds into the Gatorade cooler on the Iowa State sideline for a very late hit, which started a small scuffle on the Iowa State sideline, and Baylor got called for the late hit, and everybody moved on, except not really, because on the next play, um, uh, Hakeem Butler and one of the Baylor Baylor cornerbacks get into an altercation, which, because tensions were still running high from the previous play, turns into an all-out brawl, um, between both teams, which uh, in the end leads to David Montgomery pulling uh, number 52, one of Baylor's linebackers, away from the scuffle, and then a, an official gets in between those two, and then 52 ends up jumping over the or around the official to punch Montgomery in the helmet. First of all, why do you punch somebody in the helmet? That's just going to hurt your helmets. hand. I don't know why they think that punching somebody in the helmet, unless they get through the face mask, is going to do anything. But anyway, he punched Montgomery, and Montgomery understandably was really upset, took like sort of a half swing. Did he hit? He didn't hit. Did he punch? What was it? Nobody really knows. Either way, both Montgomery and uh, number 52 for Baylor got tossed from the game, as they probably should have. I think that was that was correct in that situation. The official, officials had to do something to regain control of that game. And uh, because of that, it means that uh, Montgomery – is uh, according to Big 12 rules, will miss the uh, the first half of uh, Iowa State's game versus uh, Texas this weekend. The other thing that the officials had to do to regain control, and the reason why Baylor's quarterback was ejected um, later on in the second half, was after that entire scuffle happened, they uh, issued unsportsmanlike conduct penalties to everybody on both teams in order to try and regain control on the madness that was happening on the field. So that's uh, there was some confusion originally um, in the stands as to what had happened. That wasn't initially clear uh, that that had those penalties had been assessed to, or those had been assessed to everybody on both teams. Um, So there was a little confusion on why uh, Baylor's quarterback was tossed, but he was tossed after arguing. He got a flag um, later on in the quarter or in that in that second half and their backup had to finish the game because he had already had that one unsportsmanlike penalty. But looking forward now, uh, after handling business at home against Baylor, the Cyclones will be rolling into Austin, Texas to take on the Longhorns next week. Uh, that game is currently airing at seven o'clock on Longhorn Network. So we're we're hopeful that the time either changes or 
it doesn't happen on Longhorn Network, so it's more accessible if, for everybody to watch. If it was if it was gonna change, they would have they would have changed they it today. Changed. Yeah, today would have been their last opportunity to change it. So with no word today, you can assume that that's gonna be a seven o'clock game on Longhorn Network. Shoot, it'd oh, be well. nice if uh, Cyclones TV or, or something more accessible to Cyclones fans would uh, pick up the broadcast yeah. as well, since this is probably gonna be one of the biggest one of the biggest Iowa State games, football games that. I know of anyway. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for right now, Texas is ranked 13th in the AP poll. Iowa State comes in at 18. Um, so it is a top 20 matchup going down. And yeah, sure, the site, we've seen big games happen. Uh, last year, that TCU win to, to uh, send us bowling last year. Um, that was a big game for us. But this has a lot bigger implications than last year's games ever did. Last year, we were mainly going for bowl eligibility. This year, we are still in contention for that Big 12 championship, that trip to the Big 12 championship on December 1st in Dallas. So, Yeah, I think I've, I've heard talk that this is not only the biggest game in our four years at Iowa State, but might be the biggest football game in Iowa State history. I don't know. I can't speak to that personally because, you know, I've only been a Cyclone fan for the, for the four years that I've been here. But I just think I've heard some talk of it on Cyclone Fanatic and other places that this could be the biggest football game in Iowa State history. So one thing I'm a I'm a real stats nerd, really into statistics. So one of the things that I sat down and uh, sat down and did Saturday night after uh, getting back from the game is I uh, calculated the uh, figured out the ways that Iowa State could make the Big 12 championship game and the percentages that those could happen. First you defrosted, though, right? Yeah, first I defrosted and defrosted my saxophone. There was ice on all of my saxophone keys, so I defrosted myself and my instrument. And then when I was watching the uh, Texas-Texas Tech game on, on Saturday night, I cranked out these percentages. So basically, here's what needs to happen for Iowa State to go to the Big 12 championship game. They need to win out first. So that's beating Texas on Saturday and then beating K-State couple days after Thanksgiving. Hopefully we don't eat too much turkey and come out lethargic. But so according to the percentages from ESPN's Football Power Index, the percentage chance that we win out is 34.6% is the percentage chance that we win out according to the percentages that I've looked at, which is pretty good. So essentially a one in three chance that we manage to win out. Now, if we do win out, we need still need a little bit of help. We need at least one of these three things to happen in order for us to win out. We need KU to beat Oklahoma next week. There's like a 2% chance that that's going to happen, so I didn't even really factor that into my statistics because it wasn't worth the effort to factor that into my statistics. <coughs> then we had uh, the other one would be that Oklahoma State beats West Virginia this week. And the percent chance of that happening, according to ESPN, is 39.8. So a 39.8% chance of Oklahoma State knocking off West Virginia. Or we, in two weeks, we need Oklahoma to knock off West Virginia. Those that are, game is in Morgantown on a Friday. So that will be the Friday night before the Cyclones play K-State. So going into that K-State game, we will know kind of what, what our outcome uh, will be going forward after the game, whether or not we will, with a win, if we'll head to Dallas, or no matter what, if we'll be watching the game from Ames, or actually playing our, our last scheduled game against Incarnate Word, potentially. I, I would rather rather go to Dallas. I would as well. It would be indoors. 
Yeah, it would be much, much nicer to be indoors in Texas on December 1st than outdoors in Ames. But anyway, so calculating the percentage. So the percentage chance that we win out and at least one of those three things that I detailed happens, the percentage chance that those happened is 32.2% according to my calculation. So again, just under a one in three chance that the Cyclones find a way to go to the Big 12 championship game. And I don't know about you, but if you told me at the beginning of the season that we'd be sitting here the week before Thanksgiving break saying that ISU had a one in three chance to go to the Big 12 title game, I would say I'd take that in a heartbeat. That's, in, that's insane. It's a huge turnaround for this program over the course of of two years. from Three, three years, really, since Matt Campbell has mm-hmm. come to Ames, Iowa. From you know not even being able to manage more than three wins for, for a long time and then managing to get eight wins, including a bowl win last year, and now being in the hunt for, for a Big 12 title game berth with two weeks to play, that's just a great turnaround. It speaks to what Matt Campbell has done for this program. If you had told me after week four of this season that the Cyclones would have a 33, almost a 33% chance of going to the Big 12 championship, and you told me to write that down, I probably would have given you a home run. As after that loss to Oklahoma, we're sitting at one and two in week four, uh, at the end of week four. I, I didn't think that that was a realistic option. Hey, hey, Kyle, you, you realize our second game was Oklahoma, right? Our, oh, the T after the TCU game, that, after the loss to TCU. That, that, that put us at one and three. Five. Yeah. Week five. Yeah. Good, good, good try, Kyle. Well, I appreciate your effort. <laughs> But I do get your point. This has been an incredible, it's the first five-game conference winning streak in Iowa State history that the Cyclones have rattled off here, starting with the uh, game Brock Purdy came in against Oklahoma State and followed up with four more wins since then, capping it off here against Baylor. It's been an incredible run, one of the best runs in program history, and I would love to see it continue on Saturday in Austin against Texas. So along with the Cyclones not uh, falling victim to what might have been a little bit of a trap game against Baylor, there wasn't many upsets across college football. It wasn't, compared to the last two weeks, it was relatively tame. The really only, the, only a couple top 25 upsets happened, NC State falling to Wake Forest and Fresno State falling to Boise State were the only two real upsets of the week from the top 25. There were other top 25 teams that lost, but most of them lost to other top 25 teams like Mississippi State losing to Alabama. Auburn losing to Georgia. Right. All top 25 teams that fouls. Michigan so. State losing to Ohio State. So mm-hmm. that's that's another potential team that we could jump in the rankings. Yeah. So overall, not a very, uh, very upset-heavy week in the NCAA. Looking ahead to the next uh, – well, actually, one thing I want to talk about was how about Northwestern? winning the Big Ten West division this week with their win over Iowa. This is a, this is a Northwestern team that didn't win a non-conference game. They, went, they did not win a non-conference football game this entire this, this, this year, but they still managed to clinch the Big Ten West in what's been a bad year for Wisconsin and, uh, and Iowa and uh, have clinched the Big Ten West and are now uh, going to go to Indianapolis to play either Michigan or Ohio State in the uh, – Big Ten title game. I just wanted to give props to them. That was probably the, mo- the wildest thing that happened in the five major conferences. Northwestern's <laughs> non-conference losses came to Duke and Akron, 
and they also lost. They also lost to Notre Dame, but that was a game that they weren't expected to win. Um, but yeah, they they didn't start off the season great, but now they've they've rattled off a lot of great wins, and they're they're headed to that championship game against somebody, one of the powerhouses, either Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah, probably. Yep. So. Looking at the top four, though, of the uh, college football playoff selection committee rankings, I don't see anything changing after this week. There was no big upsets in the top five. I, no real big games from the top five. I don't see anything changing in the top five. What about you, Kyle? I don't either. I mean, Alabama won. They took care <laughs> of business. Clemson also won pretty handily. Uh, they showed that they could be the top 25 team. Um, Notre Dame's going to hold strong, and Michigan won, so... Yeah, nothing. And Georgia didn't beat a top ten team or a top fifteen team in order to vault them ahead of Michigan. So the top four, top, in in my opinion, the top six are going to remain the same as well. With those first two being out, Georgia and Oklahoma. Um, on another note, uh, as far as bowl, um, the bowl season goes, the projections are currently looking like a December twenty eighth game. Uh, in Orlando, uh, per the ESPN writers, are projecting that the Cyclones would line up against Syracuse, both of them are, in that Camping World Bowl uh, on the 28th. And looking at the Big 12 as a whole, the Big 12 still has eight teams, really, who are in, nine teams, actually, who are in contention for bowl games. We'll see how the rest of that pans out. But the Big 12 could have six, at least six teams going bowling this season as well. But the Cyclones are going bowling again, and that's all that we really care about. Yeah, it does look like the Big 12 will probably send, let's see, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Texas for sure. Texas Tech, Baylor, and Oklahoma State each need one more win in their next two games to go bowling. So it wouldn't be... uh, uncommon to see maybe six or seven teams in the Big 12 make a ball game this year, yep. which would be cool. Yep. But TCU and K-State both have outside shots still if they win out, but I don't think either of them are going to be able to do that. Hopefully K-State doesn't win out because that would mean a uh, a win after Thanksgiving against Iowa State in Ames. But so. that's not going to happen. Matt Campbell's not going to let that happen. I have a question to, uh, to pose to both of you. So... In the past few episodes, the past few weeks, we've had kind of a micro segment um, kind of explaining why why Kyle is upset for the week. And I think we should kind of abstractify out of that, kind of generalize who's upset by renaming um, this segment into who's pissed off. Can one of you tell me who's pissed off this week and what about? Mike is pissed off. I, I am upset this week. I was I was ranting about this most of the week in 8311 and what? I am pissed off about this week is the corruption of the NCAA. So two two things came out this week that really uh, set me off against the NCAA. So this isn't new. If if you've known me, you know that I don't really, not really a fan of the NCAA. And two things came out this week that really got me going. The bigger of the two issues, or we'll we'll start with the smaller of the two issues. The smaller of the two issues uh, came out of the University of Minnesota basketball program. So. Uh, Mark Carr is a uh, guard that transferred from uh, from Pitt to Minnesota this year for basketball. 
and he since Pitt fired their coach, and that's the reason he transferred. He uh, applied for an NCAA waiver to not have to sit out a year before he could uh, before he could play right away. Because normally, when you transfer, you have to sit out unless you get some sort of hardship that waiver that allows you to play right away. Almost everybody was figuring you'd get this because the NCAA has gotten a lot looser in giving away those waivers. Transfers to places like Miami, St. John's, and Virginia have all easily gotten their waivers to play right away this year. But for some reason, Carr's waiver got denied by the NCAA. They didn't offer any explanation, any reason why his case was different than any of the other ones. Right? It just speaks... <coughs> Sorry. It just speaks to the hypocrisy of the NCAA that they don't have to justify their decisions at all, and somebody with a valid reason to get that hardship waiver can't get it. When other people tran transferring to more elite programs can get that waiver easily, like transfers to Virginia. The other thing that came out from the NCAA this week that really got me upset was the uh, sanctions that came out against uh, BYU's basketball program this week. So for those of you who missed it, so BYU had a little bit of a... Uh, scandal where uh, some of their boosters were providing uh, money for trips and things like that to one of their recruits, which, which is a violation. That's, that's a violation. It's against the rules. And BYU should have gotten punished, and their punishment involved like two years probation and the loss of one scholarship for a certain number of years, and they had to vacate some wins, which seems slightly harsh for what happens, but I mean, I mean, they did something wrong, so you got to punish them. But what really got me going about that, what really got me upset, was the fact that if you look just a few years ago when North Carolina had the student-athletes signing up for fake classes and receiving fake A's to get eligible, but because the NCAA found that a few frat guys managed to figure out about the class and take the class as well, that since it wasn't an exclusive benefit for athletes, even though it was orchestrated by athletics, that North Carolina couldn't be punished. And that's just insane. That just speaks to the NCAA not wanting to punish some of their blue blood programs, despite, despite the fact that they absolutely deserve it for what they've done. The NCAA has shown favoritism so many times, and there are so many more instances that I could go into about why the NCAA favorites, plays favorites with their big programs, but we don't have an hour for me to go into this, so I'm going to refrain from doing that at the moment. If you want to know more about that, you can, you can reach out to me individually and I'll go off on the NCAA for a lot longer. But the corrupt NCAA is why I am upset this week. We could have a spinoff episode next week or something with just you complaining about the NCAA's policies and how they do or do not enforce them. Um, you got that out of your system, though? I think, I think I'm good. I think I've ranted. And I've, this is at least the third rant I've done about this so far this week, so I think I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm feeling he's, little bit better. he's good until tomorrow. Until <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> will be a different day. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so now that you have that out of your system, let's talk about some National Football League stuff. So the stuff that happened today in the NFL. Um, so I'll kick it off with the Chiefs. The Chiefs rolled again. Um, the defense got some much-needed pieces back. Justin Houston came back. Daniel Sorensen came back, and we were able to make enough plays. Offense uh, didn't do as much as they have in the in the past, um, but the job was the job was done. Uh, Sammy Watkins was out this week. He should be able to return next week for the Monday Night Showdown against the Rams. But 
Patrick Mahomes set a franchise record today with his 31st touchdown pass of the season. It's on, They've only played 10 games, and he beat Len Dawson's uh, record. And Len Dawson was actually in the booth calling the game today for CBS, so that was he was talking about that and giving his insight on that, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but, yep, the Chiefs, Chiefs uh, roll on. Uh, they improved to 9-1. and one on the season and they have a showdown with the Rams in Mexico city uh, next week on Monday night football. Speaking of the Rams, the Rams continued or the Rams actually bounced back. Uh, Sean McVay has not lost two games in a row in his tenure as coach for the LA Rams. They were able to fend off the Seattle Seahawks, which has been the team that has played them the closest, but not beaten them so far this season. Uh, they only lost by two. The Seahawks only lost by two to the Rams earlier in the season, and then the Rams were able to hold them off um, on a last-minute drive down the field as Russell Wilson scrambled out of the pocket and threw it over Tyler Lockett's head uh, on fourth down. So the Rams were able to hold off and also improve to 9-1 and one on the season. Yeah, there were some other – those were kind of expected results from the uh – from the uh, week in the NFL, there were definitely two more uh, more interesting results. The one that was really the shocker for me was the uh, Falcons went into Cleveland for what I mean should have been at least a fairly easy win. I mean the Browns are better than they have been, but they're still not good. But the B- Falcons went into Cleveland and got uh, beat pretty handily by the Browns, and that's. Atlanta was recovering from a one and four start, I believe, and they had won three in a row to get three in a row to get back to f- to five hundred at four and four, back into at least the uh, NFC Wild Card conversation, especially with a game in Cleveland that should uh, pick them up to go to five and four. But they go and somehow lose to Cleveland. Nick Nick Chubb ran uh, all over the Falcons' defense. He ran over one hundred and seventy-five yards and totaled two total touchdowns on the defense. Um, so and so it was it was really the youth of the team. Baker Mayfield continued to he played a good game. It wasn't an incredible game. He didn't throw for four hundred yards. He didn't do that, but he he was able to manage the game and they he won the battle against Matt Ryan. Yeah, that's true. And that's just a real blow to the uh Falcons playoff chances to to go to go four and five, especially since they're not gonna win that division since Carolina and uh New Orleans just have uh, New Orleans is now, what, four games ahead of them? New Orleans only has one loss. Yep. So yep. New Orleans four games ahead of them here after after 10 weeks. I really don't think uh, the Falcons have a chance to win that division. That was a big blow for their wild card chances. Over in the AFC, we also had a, um, a big surprising result, and that was the Tennessee Titans putting up a ton of points against the uh, New England Patriots to knock them off. The Patriots got dealt another... Uh, Another tough loss, and the Patriots are showing some chinks in, chinks in their armor. They're still obviously one of the best teams in the AFC, as long as they have Tom Brady, and they're playing in that weak division. They'll have a chance to go to the playoffs and do. Uh, they'll go to the playoffs and have a chance to do a deep run. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for sure. But it was just really surprising to see Tennessee lead lead from the get go in that game. It was really uh, interesting, really surprising, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you think about that game, Kyle, but... Tom, I mean, the Patriots really just didn't play a great game. They didn't... Uh, 
show up. The The Titans responded to the Patriots' attempts at a comeback with 17 unanswered points uh, in order to really finish off the Patriots in that game. Um, Tom Brady, Tom Brady didn't have a great game, and that was kind of projected all week. He hasn't been playing as a top 10 uh, quarterback recently, and he has just he hasn't been the Tom Brady take over a game and go win the game uh, as he has in past years. He did that against the Chiefs when they beat the Chiefs earlier this season, but that's kind of the only time that I've seen that from him so far this year. And it was it was a big help for the Chiefs as the Chiefs are now uh, solely in possession of that first place uh, in the AF in the AFC right now. So in sole possession of first place. So yeah, but well, they they were in sole possession. They first were place in sole in the possession AFC before that. It just it just helps with the helps with the one seed going forward. Looking at the playoff race. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs should are definitely in the driver's seat to get that one seed in the AFC now with a two-game lead over, well, really just a one-game lead because New England holds the tiebreaker. One-and-a-half game lead, we'll call it. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, another game that happened, the Packers got back to four, back to 500. They're 4-4-1 four, four, and one now, and the Packers' defense looked incredible, but the Dolphins' offensive line was missing, I think, uh four of their normal starters and two of their backups. So a very stitched together offensive line created massive holes for the Green Bay defense to run through. Brock Osweiler spent half of the game on his back or on the ground um, or scrambling for dear life. But the Packers improve. Uh, Aaron Jones, he just continues to show why the Packers need to run the ball more. Given more opportunities, he runs for incredible amounts, chunks of yardage. He ran for, I think, uh, 145 on the day, um, and I believe he had two touchdowns as well. So the Packers need to run the ball, take some of the load off of Aaron Rodgers, but it'll kind of help them get back into the race in the <coughs> NFC North uh, as the Vikings were off this week, but the Bears uh, won again. So it makes that AF or NFC North race a little bit closer. Yeah, the Bears won despite one of the weirdest things in football this week. Uh, the Bears kicker not only missed four field goals today, despite the win, but he missed four field goals off the uprights, four of them that hit the uprights. I've never seen that many field goals hit the uprights in a game before, in a lot, a lot of games, but four times in one game to miss and hit the uprights is, I mean, you have, almost have to be aiming even if you were aiming for the upright, you wouldn't hit the upright. You have to that wonder if times. it was a bet. Hey, I bet you can't hit the uprights more than three times in a game. And he just went out there and said, uprights. You, you, you couldn't hit the uprights four times in a game if you were aiming for them. So that was just really insane. I don't think I could hit the uprights if I was kicking from the goal line. I probably couldn't get the ball above the crossbar, <laughs> to be quite honest. I am not an NFL kicker. I'm not a football player. So you would n neither of you would win the uh, Chick Fil A for a year, giving away at Iowa State football games if you can make a uh, kind of 25 try, yard though. field goal. I'd give it a try, and I definitely think the, the girl that did it during uh, this week's game probably should have been kicking for Baylor. Probably. <laughs> she, she had a better field goal percentage than Baylor's kicker. That's for sure. Uh, just some background information. Um, 
at Jack Trice Stadium during the Cyclones games, there's a, a is it a fan that's pulled? I think it's a fan, yeah, a yeah. student. It's a either fan a that's, student or a fan. They're pulled to kick, what, like a 25-yarder? Something like that, yeah. Uh, somewhere a, around there. a relatively short, should be easy to make for anybody who's actually been kicking, um, field goal. And if they make it, they get free Chick-fil-A for a year. And the the girl hit it right, right, center, perfect, amazing kick. It was so good. And Baylor had such trouble making field goals um, that they probably should have been playing her instead. Also, I think it's interesting and completely unrelated to anything we're talking about. Well, n- not completely unrelated. Not completely unrelated. What a don't even. Why don't it's even... getting us off track again? We were already off track. But um, that two of the weirdest football games that happened this week were both the Bears, the Chicago Bears, missing four. What was it? Four field goals? You said. Yep. Off, off the, the uprights. Upright. And then the Baylor Bears playing the Cyclones this week. Duh, Bears. <laughs> Duh, Bears. I just wanted to point that out. That's all I had. Please keep talking about NFL stuffs. I don't. Do you? Do you have I, any other so, NFL stuff? I mean, oh. I guess what oh. we can transition do, do, do into. Do have NFL stuff? Yeah. What do you got? Things football players shouldn't do. That's oh, what I was going to transition <laughs> right into. Things football players shouldn't do. So. We, we've added a few things from the week that we've come across uh, in social media and reports that we have heard. Uh, the thing that I came across this week was Antonio Brown decided to drive his Porsche 911 GT3 over 100 miles an hour, and he got pulled over and cited for reckless driving. Um, do, do, do you think one he, of can, our, do you one think of he our, can plead out of that ticket, Wyatt? Is- one of our one of our roommates happen? knows something about reckless driving. It wasn't reckless. It was a careless driving ticket, and I I pled guilty to this. I was charged with a speeding ticket as well as careless driving. The speeding ticket was definitely warranted. Careless driving was not. So I talked to the county prosecutor and had him drop the careless driving ticket if I pleaded guilty to the speeding ticket. There's a part of my personal life now out the there only for everybody thing, to see. The only thing that's different between you and Antonio Brown is he has a little bit more money to afford a high-priced lawyer i think there's there's uh definitely a bigger difference between antonio brown and i one he's buff i ain't two he's got money i three he's a really good receiver and he plays in the nfl hey i can catch things four he can dance better than you definitely most definitely got some great touchdowns i don't know i i got a mean cupid shuffle you got a kick 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 drop he can move his hips pretty well. love that kick kick i can i move my hips pretty well i play saxophone saxophones is literally just about your hips (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know. What so other just, things that football players should do. We're just going to move on, and do. we're going to stick with the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and their one player who's decided to hold out the entire season. So he takes to Twitter and decides to tweet upside down, basically ranting at the Steelers fan base, the organization. Nobody knew what he was writing about when they were originally looking at it until they all turned their phones upside down and then they could actually read the tweet. Just don't be dumb and do stupid stuff like that. It just report and take your $25.6 million. Tweeting upside down is something like a middle schooler would do. Yeah. Right? It, it just seems super immature. And this is coming from a guy who is intrinsically immature. So, I mean, just, come on now. Just don't be that guy, football players, please. So I've got uh, one. So this actually happened, oh, I don't know, maybe about a month ago. But I I thought of it again here this week, and I decided that it should add to the uh, list of things football players shouldn't do. So to set the stage, uh, St. Cloud Cathedral High School in uh, in Minnesota was uh, getting beat 
pretty badly late in a, in a high school football game. And uh, their opponent breaks off a long run. It was going to turn into be about a 75-yard touchdown run. So one of the uh, St. Cloud Cathedral players, who is obviously sick of losing, comes off the sideline and tackles the ball carrier as he was in the open field. That, that's a big no-no. He gets the touchdown anyway by rule. So things football players shouldn't do, run off the sideline, run off from the sideline and make a tackle. Things football players shouldn't do. Or coaches, really. I've seen coaches do that as well. Or try and trip players. Was that last year when, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, was the somebody, tripping yeah, incident. somebody tried to trip. Yeah. Was that Tomlin? Well, Tomlin Tomlin tried to play it off like he was just looking at the video board and had no idea he was basically standing on the field because he was facing the opposite way of the play actually happening. But he was in the way. Yeah, I think, did Sean Payton do something like that last year, too, or am I misremembering? I think Sean Payton did it two years ago, back when the Saints weren't that good. Okay. I don't know. I apologize to Sean Payton if Drew Brees has told him to listen, and I just accused him of doing something he didn't do. But also, go Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I hope you're listening. Please keep listening. And now, um, <coughs> keeping on with the things football players shouldn't do, we've talked about two NFL-related things, one high school football-related thing. And now for some college football, I have one other thing to add to the list, and that is don't get pulled off of the field by a cop during a fight, right? So, again, going back to the Cyclones versus Baylor's uh, versus Baylor game, um, that huge fight between number 52, still don't know his name, and David Montgomery, uh, a cop had to literally run onto the field to pull Baylor's um, defensive player linebacker line but was it a linebacker i couldn't remember. yeah it was a oh, linebacker. it's 52 oh yeah okay yeah. fair enough it's a linebacker number yeah you're right he had to pull him off the field to to help stop the fight um that was kind of interesting to see because i was right butting up against the the, the end of the end zone there on the, the north side of the field where the fight occurred so it was cool to see but don't don't start a fight on the field and especially don't get pulled off by a cop yeah We'll add those to the list of fo- things football players shouldn't do, and uh, next week we'll do a quick rundown of the entire list for you in case you've forgotten. But what we should transition to now is a uh, week one of the of NCAA basketball happened this week. So the biggest thing that I noticed in NCAA basketball this week, I don't know about you, Kai, but Duke looks really, really good. They've got a superstar trio of of freshman there and they just look really really good i don't know what your observations are about duke this week they absolutely dismantled kentucky kentucky was the number two team in the nation in for the week one rankings duke was number four and correct me if i'm wrong but they beat them by like 30 points in their first game with zion williamson and uh rj barrett teaming up to be one of the to have one of the uh, highest scoring um, like first games or debut games as a duo in NCAA history, and it was one of the highest routes or the the largest routes uh, of any top five team in the history of the NCAA too. I I don't know if anybody can stop them. I think the only thing that can stop them is if they get injured during the season at all. So they. They look incredible. Also, coming out of the Champions Classic, KU looked incredible as well. The, the Lawson twins played well, and 
oh yeah, their top five recruit that they got this year too decided to drop 20 points in the first half, Quentin Grimes. So KU's going to win the Big 12 again. Uh, there's, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop them this year. They're, I think they're, I think they might be the number two team maybe behind Duke in this week's uh, rankings when those come out, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, Duke and KU definitely look like the two uh, best teams in the nation, but uh, close to home, the Cyclones also looked pretty good this week. They had uh win over, what was it, Southern Alabama in their first game? Southern Alabama. And then, or uh, Alabama uh, State. Alabama, Alabama State. State. My bad, my bad, yeah. Alabama State. And then they uh, knocked off rival Mizzou in Hilton Coliseum over the weekend. Can we get the telephone back? But the telephone's a football trophy. Unfortunately, we can't. We should there, still get it back for, for basketball. There aren't, there aren't, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no traveling trophies in basketball, right? Not that I know I, of, but I, maybe I there are. So. There might be a select few. There should be. We should have, have the telephone back, please. Sorry for interrupting you, Mike. So going going on with the Cyclones, um, kind of an injury update. From what I saw from the game on Friday, Lindell Wigington is not walking well. He's not on crutches, but he has a significant cast on his foot um, to what I believe was reported as an Achilles injury. Um, it, the prognosis was that maybe he'll be back in two weeks, but... Man, that it didn't look like a good injury, and he wasn't putting a lot of weight on that foot either. So I don't know if that's just going to be a two-week injury or if that's going to last a little bit longer. The thing that's also upsetting is Cameron Lard and Zoran Talley are both suspended until at least the beginning of the de- of December. Um, that is when Coach Prom will reevaluate their situation and decide if he's going to reinstate them or not. They are both. Uh, suspended based on uh, not adhering to team rules and guidelines. Um, Coach Prome has a history of keeping everything internal, which I believe is a very respectful thing to do for their for the players, um, not to make everything public and handle it internally. But we don't know exactly what they did. We just know that uh, the front court depth is lacking. Uh, we went from having um, Cameron Lard, Solomon Young, Michael Jacobson, George Condit, and Zion Griffin to only having three of them, Jacobson, Condit, and Griffin. As Solomon Young is still dealing or coming recovering from his groin surgery. Um, my only thing is uh, there were reports that he was maybe supposed to be back on the court in December. There's no indication that he has started practicing yet, so I don't see that return coming that soon. I think that's going to be delayed a little bit as well. Man, playing Missouri, we were looking pretty good for playing what, a majority we, of freshmen we on did, the court. Yes, and the thing that has been the thing that has been uh, really cool to see so far at the games is there there are times when we're just playing terribly, uh, and Coach Prome has been able to find that lineup that works. Uh, in the first game, it was uh, George Condit, Zion Griffin, and Tyrese Halliburton that kind of sparked a run that the Cyclones had. And in this game, it was the defense of Horton Tucker as well as Halliburton again. And Zion Griffin played a lot of great minutes as well. And Michael Jacobson has really stepped up and taken this time to uh, really kind of shine in his in his first two games after having to sit out all of last season. But I... With Lindell Wigington out, uh, 
I kind of saw that Tyrese Halliburton has taken over leadership a little bit. A little scrawny 6'4 uh, point guard out of Wisconsin is uh, really taking control of the team and owning leadership uh, and playing playing really good minutes and shooting the ball very well. Uh, I think he's going to be the leader of this team going forward. Yeah, I, I definitely think the uh, Cyclones – uh, could have a big year this year, but they need Wigington healthy. They're going to go as far as Lindo Wigington is going to take this team. So I think it all comes down to if that Achilles injury isn't too serious for Wigington, and they can uh, they can uh, get a lot better going forward as long as he'll carry him. But we'll have to see how the season unfolds, especially as the competition gets tougher here into uh, preseason tournament time and then into the conference season too. There'll be a lot to see with the Cyclone basketball. One quick... Uh, thing before we head into Mike's favorite segment of the show is I've been a little upset at the refs recently. The volleyball game last night was very upsetting uh, with over 10 reviewed plays in the game and a lot of those reviews lasting longer than a minute, the refs taking their sweet time. Um, so that, that was really frustrating. Question. Yes. Reviews in volleyball, that's relatively new to the NCAA, isn't it? Like maybe a year or two they first implemented the. <laughs> it isn't happened it a, a last green card? year. It happened. It's a green card. They, yeah. I mean, it's it's a challenge from the coaches. Yeah. Just like any other um, sport, but I don't exactly know when replay was installed. Video replay was installed, but it did happen last year. Mm. Um, I just feel like the it's gotten worse this season um, as the year has progressed. Uh, but also in basketball. Uh, we are keeping track of how many bad calls we have on the season so far. And, Wyatt, correct me if I'm wrong. We're either at 13 or 14 right yeah, now. Yeah, 13. 13, in, 13 in two bad games? calls in two games. Who, who decides these bad calls? Uh, Kyle and I kind of keep it, each other in check. It's so, pretty it's a little biased. So, so it's cyclone is. biased. I'm going to take it's, it. It's, are those 13 bad calls against the Cyclones or 13 bad calls total? Do you count like that should have been a foul on the Cyclones, but they didn't call it. That's a bad call. Does that get factored into anything? Honestly, these I bad haven't really seen many of those yet. There's okay, been that two means calls. you're biased. There's been two calls, at the very least, on teams other than Iowa State. Perhaps we are biased. Um, you're definitely I mean, obviously biased. we're biased. We're definitely biased. We're in the pet band during the basketball games down on the court. We like to yell at the refs a little bit. Um, we do yell at Everybody the refs a lot. Everybody likes to yell at the refs. I like to yell at the refs. We shake our glasses at the refs, asking if they need them because they can't see some calls sometimes. Um, I yelled at the refs a lot at the women's basketball game today. And there's so few people at the women's games that the refs can hear you they can when hear you yell you. at them, and that's fun. Oh, yeah. It's just like the volleyball games. One of the refs turned and looked at me one time when I yelled at them. <laughs> Eject the band. Do it. You won't. That would funny be hilarious. You can't. That would be funny. I bet they could. I mean, if we played during the game, you could. But, you know, not for yelling. Are you sure? I think so. Right? We're just normal fans. We just can't play our instruments. Right? They don't prohibit what a pep band can say just when they can play. Interesting. You know, our band policies might prohibit what we can say, but not NCAA rules. That's true. Do you have anything else uh, to talk about the official? I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated. If it continues, you'll hear more from me. Gotta keep in mind we are in the Big Twelve and we have notoriously um, interesting referees. Subpar officiating. Definitely. Uh, actually, does the NCAA share basketball? Like, I don't think it's conference specific for basketball. Is it? I don't believe so. I think I don't that's think just so either. Football. I think you're right. It's so that they can officiate. Yep. Bowl games a lot easier. They bring in. Con- other conferences for bowl games 
Huh, interesting. Like uh, Kyle said, though, let's start transitioning into Mike's favorite segment. Mike's stupid rules with two O's in stupid. How stupid are they today? Yep. So for Mike's incredibly interesting rules segment this week, we are going to take a little bit of a step back and explain the difference in hockey between a minor penalty and a major penalty. Is this like a yellow card versus red card in soccer? No, not exactly. Uh, is it? That. Is it? Can we compare it to scales? Are, 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 like a minor are, or a major are, are, scale? Are you going to let me talk, or are you just going to keep interrupting like me? Like a Richter scale, learn. or a, what's the other the, scale the, for the earthquakes? The point of this segment M, is that you should learn. If you don't let me talk, you're never going to learn. Sorry, Teach. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate it. So a a minor pen, the difference between a minor penalty and a major penalty. So a minor penalty in hockey is two minutes in the penalty box, like we talked about last week for hitting somebody in the face with your stick, right? High sticking. Two minutes in the penalty box. So with that, that means there's one less player from your team on the ice. It's a power play called a power play for the other team. If that team scores while you're still in the penalty box, no matter how much time is left, if they score, you get to go back on the ice. Your penalty's over. So if they score while you're in the penalty box, your penalty's over even if there's still time left when you have a a minor penalty. So minor penalties are for minor infractions, you know, high sticking, tripping, interference, delay a game, things like that. Then there are things like major, they're called major penalties. So with a major penalty, that's five minutes in the penalty box for you if you get a major penalty. With a major penalty, so remember I said if somebody scores on a minor penalty, you get to come out. If you're in the penalty box on a major penalty, you have to be there for the whole five minutes, no matter how many goals your opponent scores. You have to be in there for all five minutes. Major penalties are for major infractions like viciously illegal hits, things like things like that, major unsportsmanlike conduct, things like that will get you a major penalty. They're not very common in the NHL, but they do exist, so... There's your difference between minor penalties and major penalties. I have a question. Hockey. How does yeah. where do, how does a brawl factor into the penalties? Is that a major or a minor? Also, does it matter if they if blood's drawn? So no, that wasn't the, high sticking, right? Right. So generally, high sticking is the only one where they generate. And so high sticking. Remember, I said it's four minutes in the penalty box if you draw blood for high sticking. That's what's called a double minor. So it's like two minor penalties on top of each other. So it is like a scale. Kind of. Also, yes. also for clarification, I said Richter scale, and the other scale that starts with an M. It's it's the Mercalli scale, is the other earthquake rating scale that I was talking Thank about. Thank you for that tidbit. You're welcome. I took a geology class one time, and I learned that. That's really the only thing that came well out done. of it. Thanks. Well done. Also, to answer your question, Kyle, so fighting in hockey is also a five minute penalty, but generally, right, since you're fighting another person. Uh, that doesn't result in a power play for the other team because both players get five minutes for fighting. So it's not a power play for either team. So you do have to sit in the penalty box for five minutes, but neither team is on the power play. Ah, that makes sense. All right. Well, that has educated us. If it makes sense, does it also make dollars? Not in this dollars, case. Yeah. Not in this case. We don't it's have just enough sense. We don't have enough sense. Not enough yet. sense for a dollar. We don't have enough sense for a dollar. That's yet. fair. Um going Going off of that, uh, let's segue into our Write That Down prediction segment for the week. I do believe that Mike has an update on a prediction that has come off the board. We had two predictions come off the board this week, actually. The first one that I made on one of the first episodes of of 8311cast 
was that Joe Mauer would not retire at the end of the uh, at the end of this season. For that, I get a because nah. Joe Meyer retired yesterday, Friday, Friday, in Friday. the most Joe Mauer way possible. He announced his retirement as part of the Friday Friday afternoon news dump. The most the most Joe Mauer way to retire. But yes, Joe Mauer retired. He had a great career. Sad to see him go, but we'll see there. So I got that one wrong. The other prediction that we had come off the board was Josh's from last week that Iowa State would be head of Iowa for the remainder in all the polls for the remainder of the year. In the college football playoff rankings, Iowa State was 22 and Iowa was 21. Which so is for that, crap. Josh gets a. Josh should not have lost that. I don't see why Iowa was ranked ahead of Iowa State, especially at 21. I, I, I don't don't understand it. I understand why they did it. It's because Iowa beat us early in the season. But if you look at how both of our seasons have progressed, it should have been clear that Iowa should not have been ranked ahead of Iowa State at the point in time when the rankings were released. The big thing about the committee, though, is they do take that head-to-head into consideration. I know they do, but they don't take into consideration the circumstances of how Iowa even won. That was our first real game of the season. I'm just mildly frustrated about it. And you can continue on with our accountability session. All right, that, Mike. That's the end of our accountability well, session. Well, so. since, since we Beautiful. finished that accountability up, uh, Mike, do you want to – since we talked a lot about basketball, I see that your write-that-down prediction goes off of basketball. Do you want to lead us in with your prediction for the week? Yeah, sure. So my prediction is that last year both the uh, Cyclones and the University of Minnesota Gopher basketball team had really tough years, and they're both looking to rebound this year – with some uh, good freshman core, along with some uh, good returning players, and my prediction is that ooh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna double down on my prediction here to uh, try to get a, a better one, which really I shouldn't be doing because my I think I've got zero correct predictions on the board as of right now. Join me. But, I have one. Um, but um, I'm gonna double down and say that both the Cyclones and the Gophers will make the uh, NCAA tournament this year. And that the Gophers will have a higher seed than the Cyclones. Oh. Two parts. Two parts. It's, it's definitely uh, f- not a double. The first part, I think, I, I don't know a whole lot about Gopher basketball, though, to be fair. But I feel like they're a team that will most likely make it into the NCAA tournament and then get knocked out for first, the first round. Okay, for the first part, I think I'd give him a double. But since he adds on the second part that the Gophers will be a higher seed, there's. I don't think it's. I don't, I don't know. think it's a home. Should we? Go it's not a triple? home run. I'd say triple. It's not outlandish right, enough I'll to take be a home run. I'll take I'll, that. I'll, I'll take that. I'm I'm happy with the triple. Since it's a two part, we got to give him more than a double. Okay. All right, Kyle. What do you got? So my prediction of the week is that the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, will finish as the second best team in the AFC, second behind the Chiefs, which means they will have to play the wild card game in the playoffs. So they will be the five seed in the AFC. Okay. I'd be willing to give you a double for that. Does everybody else think double? Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. All right. I'm trying we'll to make predictions that are going to get me on the board right now. That is fair. Wyatt, what do you got this week? So I got to give you a little bit of background information. So as we kind of discussed earlier, uh, during Cyclone men's basketball games, Kyle and I, um, d- during any bad calls, um, we we kind of, we've been keeping track of all the bad calls, I guess, but by the officiating crew during the game. So far, we're up to thirteen with two games. Um, again, we are slightly biased towards the Cyclones, but it doesn't matter for this prediction because I'm going to say 
that there will be over 100 quote-unquote bad calls as determined by Kyle and I during the game by NCAA D1 referees at Cyclones men's basketball games. These are only home games in Hilton Coliseum. Um, You're only getting a single for that. Only a single? I was just going to give you a single because we're already at 13. You're already 13 through two games. games. There's a lot more games to play. I think you're biased in this. I don't like it. You're just getting a single. How am I biased, We're going to get more biased during the Big 12 games, too. Exactly. How am I biased? Because you're biased in favor of the Cyclones. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm even agreeing with him, and I'm part it, of this. It's a single. Just but be quiet before like, I tell you I can't. you can't put it on the board. I'll take a single. Yeah, be quiet. And now we have our fourth roommate of 8311 uh, going to be giving his prediction, uh, Josh Lang. All right. Uh, as a uh, Packers fan, I'm going to be jumping further on the uh, Aaron Jones uh, hype train, and I'm going to predict that Aaron Jones will get 100 yards in 70% of his games remaining. At least seventy uh, percent. Basically, games? comes out to are... five out of seven. Five I'm out of seven. seven. Also, uh, keep in mind he had this is the first game he's gotten over a hundred in the season. Double. Triple. Triple. I, I have to. Mike says Packers triple. Schedule. Mike says triple. Sorry, Mike wasn't at the microphone because Josh was at it. Triple. Mike wasn't at the mic. Hold triple. On. I, have to, I have to look at the schedule to see this. Go for it. You're the deciding factor between the triple and the double. They should have they should have three division games left, one each against the Vikings, Bears, and Lions, if I remember correctly. So that's oh three of their gosh. remaining games. He's got the he's got the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Jets. That's gonna happen. I'm saying uh, double. I'm gonna say a triple. Double. I'm gonna say a double. I get overruled apparently, but I think it should have been a triple. Well, it's a double. I do apologize. Sorry, Josh. Rip. And thus, with uh, concluding our Write That Down prediction segment, it also concludes our episode. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 cast. Again, a horns down edition brought to you by Flags on the Play. Um, tune in every Monday for a new episode and subscribe to our feed on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Find us on Instagram at 8311 cast. Signing off for the 8311 cast. Kyle Mersh, please continue to send us information uh, via our social media outlets if, that you want to see on our show. Um, and continue to update us on other stuff that you would like to hear. If you are tired of hearing about Cyclone information, too bad. But if you want to hear stuff about other teams, other leagues, or anything else going on in the world of sports, let us know. And Mike Ludwig also signing off. Uh, Thanks for listening to us this week. Go Cyclones, beat Texas. And Wyatt Teeter. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week. We're going bowling! We really shouldn't sing. That was an awful harmony. You right. Da, da, da. Da. That was still really bad. Bye. <laughs>